Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. <laughs> so last week we talked a little bit about the influences in Lord of the Rings and kind of different stories that came before it that um, feel very similar. And so today we wanted to kind of jump into the idea of something being derivative. Um, yeah. Flora, you want to start us off? Absolutely. I wanted to give first the like official definition or a official definition of derivative. Mm. It's imitative of the work of another person and using and usually disapproved of for that reason. Mm. And that is so vague. <laughs> like, yeah. And just like with you know court cases around copyright mm. and there is obviously some connection between the work we do and the work that's come before there absolutely mm-hmm. is but the def- like the what is derivative and what's not and yeah. i don't know about you but i've seen reviews where it's weaponized it's brought out yeah. like dismissive diminishing this is derivative and i'm like um i hate to break it to you hun but like all work is in some way derivative. E- yeah. Even when you have your very specific point of view, your very specific voice, you know where this story is going, you you are inspired by things that are yours, you're inspired by other things too. And yeah. to suggest that we aren't, we aren't is, is I think, I just think it's not completely telling the whole story of how yeah. creative. Well, it's kind of nearsighted, creative. right? Like it just doesn't yes. take into effect the the scope of what storytelling is. Yes. But, and, and I think it is complex though. I mean, I, I shared last week the story about the author who kind of got canceled or got in trouble for her story being too similar. Even yeah. though the stories themselves and the books themselves were different, the plot was very similar and the descriptions were very similar. And so people yeah. who hadn't read both kind of got upset with her and um and it feels complex because I mean we live in a day and age where people like plagiarism is rampant and it's big and it's a problem and there are scams all over the place um and so there is a need to like protect that and yet also I think sometimes we jump too far too quickly um in accusing things of being derivative or being too similar or being yeah stolen because I mean how can you say something stolen when it's based on a myth or a fairy tale or you know like when both things are based on the same original thing yes. it's it's hard to really say who's who's taking what and why and, um yes. and I think it becomes very complex and I think sometimes we approach these things especially right now in this current climate um a yeah. little too black and white Yes. And, and forget the nuance of, yeah, of stories and where they come from. Absolutely. And I, I think if you don't mind, I think that bringing up, we touched lightly on Harry Potter yeah. um, kind of in reference to this. And I, I think talking about Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, yeah. um, it's actually a great place to start because Rick Riordan actually has an entire page on his website to is his book basically derivative 
from Harry from Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> and, well, and there like, are a lot of similarities, right? Like there's absolutely. this kind of school vibe, this like family thing, these quests, these like problems. Yeah. Absolutely. On on I think the face value, as you just said. Mm-hmm. There are so many similarities, and he actually lists some specific <laughs> ones, including um, they both have three-headed dogs. Right, and and a lot of that, some of it does go back to that Greek myth. Like yeah. there's, they both have giant spiders. Um, mm-hmm. He actually referenced. He actually has Arachne by her actual name. Uh, Harry right. Potter is Aragog, but those things are. Yes, they're inspired by each other. And he, sure. he, and in, in that entry, he says, Yeah, I couldn't help but be inspired by it. I, as yeah. I was teaching, kids were reading it. And I was well, seeing how they were the things we enjoy. And yes. so if you're enjoying something, you're going to pull from that. It's going to influence your work. Absolutely. And that book, that series, whether we like it or not, like mm. it, it changed middle grade books. Yeah forever and so of course if that is what's selling in his genre and what has all of a sudden become huge there's going to be some looking at why did that work and and how can I tap into that but when you really get into the meat of the stories they do go in very different directions even just his series well, and even just the style, Where they the go. writing style and all of that, yes. the voice, very, very different. Absolutely very different. And it's just, I find it interesting that that is something that could be considered derivative, even mm-hmm. though when I read them, I'm like, yeah, they're, they are quest type things that take place in different settings, but that involve mythical and mystical or magical yeah. Um things and yeah they have similar symbols but it's not like they are the derivative of each other they're not the same characters they're they have definite different feels the characters themselves are unique and standalone and even if you take which i think one of the things is if you take Hermione and Annabeth like yeah yeah, both of them are smart girls but that's Mm -hmm. kind of like where the difference ends like they both are just very different in how they work function what they're willing to do Mm -hmm. um even what they like who they are like how they talk I love Annabeth snark like I be snarky all day Annabeth (laughs) um and and that's I like that, that those details, once you get past that facade, those details are different and they're fascinating. Yeah. Well, and even I I need to correct myself because I said both have schools, but really one's a camp and one's a school, but you still have that same feel of like kids going away to this one place. Um, But I think, I think it's so interesting that he has that on his website. I love that. I love that. He's just like willing to call it out and call it what it is. And, um, yeah, admit to where those influences are and, and also say, look, that's what storytelling is, yes. you know, like we pull from things. Absolutely. And both of those things that we've talked about, questing, spider things, obviously there's like horcruxes, which are a, it's an object where the essence of someone is funneled into, like there are elements yeah. of that that really do harken back, not just 
to Lord of the Rings, but also beyond to some of the myths that we've talked about before. Yeah. And and I just I love I love that those elements of it, but in different ways. Obviously, Horcruxes yeah. are very different than the One Ring. Like <laughs> the way they function are, but even even the will behind the objects, um, yes. I've always found fascinating. And the swords um, in in Mag, at least in Magnus Chase, there's a sword mm-hmm. that actually has has some form of kind of animation will (laughs) Will, yes which I love and I'm here for which totally I'm talking about Percy Jackson a little bit but I think Magnus Chase is even better so yeah wonderful it is my favorite and it obviously does a lot of Norse mythology too right so it ties into all that yeah yes (laughs) I love how the they mix and remix and that's that's even when you like pick up Magnus Chase, you're like, this is a Norse mythology and you make assumptions and then you read it and you're like, this is the, the weirdest delight yes. I've ever so read. It is, it is, the tone of it is so fun too. And yeah. I, I think some of that too, like the being able to mix the funny or the comic mm. with the epic um I think some of that kind of comes back to Lord of the Rings too like you have these weird little moments that you're like wait where'd that come out of and it's just a weird funny moment um even hobbits themselves they're the kind of feel of them at the 11z's dinner supper (laughs) like you love kind of those funny elements and I think both both of these stories Magnus Chase and Rick Riordan in general to a, a stronger degree mm-hmm. really do a great job of incorporating the humor into the yeah. series. Yeah. Well, and you see, I mean, again, that's that difference in voice too, right? Like, yeah. um, like Harry Potter has some moments of humor, but it is not nearly the same. It's not the same as Rick Riordan's work. Yes. Um, he has Absolutely. a very much more prevalent sense of humor in his work. Um, and his voice is even just more humorous in general. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also, as I was doing research into this, and we could probably talk about both of those theories with many more different, you know, <laughs> connections. Yeah. But I was doing some research on high fantasy. And although mm. The Lord of the Rings wasn't the first high fantasy, it definitely was kind of what brought it to prominence. And there was a lot of people like Terry Brooks and even Stephen King's The Dark Tower, obviously George R.R. Martin's, you know, Game of Thrones. You look at those works and there's a lot of similarities, a lot of things that you could pull out, dragons, questing, things that involve a bunch of different factions, people from Mm. a bunch of different places. You, You have so many things there that you could call out and kind of even languages, Sure. That are created for for something, um, the culture behind something, you know, being extensive, especially with um, Game of Thrones. But yes. I also was thinking about some that we had talked about and Uprooted came to mind with like the sense of lore and the sense of mm-hmm. things that this is a world that is old and things that happened in the past have an impact on the current and what's yeah. going on. And almost that also the um, 
the nature versus kind of moving away from nature and yeah and kind of stone and metal um even within Sarkhan and uh, Agnieszka's relationship in general there's mm-hmm. there's those things um I just thought that it may not seem I mean it's definitely in the high fantasy place uh-huh. um as a story but I I love the kind of other subtle touches um yeah. that are kind of connectedness of the poetic and the before and the memory yeah. of the past yeah. even the memory of the forest yeah yeah I think that's a good point that there are even those modern stories that are still continuing to mm-hmm. pull from these things and and I think that also brings up the fact that some of these things are what readers or viewers or you know like consumers of these stories want like some some of yeah. the stuff is just tropes of the genre like you yes. go into high fan- fantasy expecting some of that you expect yes. full cultures and and world building and myth and lore and and Absolutely. sometimes even new languages and and you expect things like sword fighting and, yes. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and quests and dragons and you know like and everyone's yeah. going to have like a little bit of different take on that. But you you expect some of that. You expect some political mm. intrigue and drama. You expect some of that stuff that, yeah, you could call it too similar or derivative or whatever. Yeah. But it's also the tropes of the genre. Like, yes. Well, that's just to be expected. Yeah. And I love how you said that, that it, I think in many ways it is readers connect with things and mm-hmm. they then Want to want see those, those things? things. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it. I'm not saying this definitively, but I think the fact that the Lord of the Rings did so well mm-hmm. paved the way for the Game of Thrones to do Absolutely. so well. Yeah. And and I meaning the TV show, <laughs> and or but even the even the stories as well. Yeah. Um, themselves, and I just think when we pretend that there isn't that influence when we pretend that it's like, oh, this is all in its own and everything has to be original and everything has to be completely disconnected from that. Tropes, you know, tropes like enemies to lovers, that's why I'm here. Like, <laughs> sorry, I'm here for other things. But like, and I'm just recognizing that that's okay. Like, mm. It's okay that this is similar to that, that this shares kind of those surface features. Yeah, I think even it's interesting because I think some authors also like like to do little homages. Like, yeah, the beginning of Neil Gaiman's Knife in the Dark felt like he was hearkening back to the chapter uh, in the Graveyard Book. Felt yeah. like he was hearkening back to that chapter that's a Knife in the Dark from the fellowship hmm. and there's these weird parts of like underground burrows and like tombs that are underneath the earth that make me think of the burrow downs in fellowship yeah. there's little things like that that I love seeing how that then leaps out it's very different story yeah in some ways but in other ways it actually you could be like I could pull out things and be like the graveyard book is a ripoff of the Lord of the Rings but it's not (laughs) it's just such a it's a great use of what I would call like love and care of an original thing that then inspires you and in many ways he he said that it was very much inspired by the jungle book as well Mm. um 
but I think realizing that those stories kind of that mean to us something to us can create other new interesting stories that also mean something to us yeah absolutely well and I think when we as writers try to be original not only do we put too much pressure on ourselves but we also end up not delivering to to our audience what they want right like you're right like Mm -hmm. we're here for certain things we want certain like we like a book because it has certain things and we want more books that have that (laughs) but I do love when writers Mm -hmm. kind of um almost call that out and aren't afraid to be like to aren't afraid to maybe copy to the point of like making it noticeable and being like hey remember this thing you liked before I liked that too and here we're gonna like um I mean even even sometimes I mean you get that with retelling is really strongly um absolutely I mean people we meet on vacation in a lot of ways feels like well now I'm drawing a blank (laughs) yeah um when Harry met Sally yes exactly yeah yeah. And there's, I mean, there's been a lot of those lately where you get kind of yeah. really clear, um, the undertaking of heart and, uh, gosh, why can I not remember anything today? <laughs> heart and mercy feels like so much like you've got mail and, and to the mm-hmm. point where there's even a scene in the restaurant where they like kind of meet up, but don't meet up. And one character knows that it's <laughs> the other person they've been writing to and the other character doesn't. And it's like, this is straight out of it, but it's, it's Absolutely. unique and it's its own because of the characters and because the story is different yes. and the um the world is different and all of that. But I love when writers aren't afraid to just like totally call it out. Like it, it just too. makes me smile because I'm like, oh yeah, I liked that too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I I love those winks. Like you know and I know. Like yes. <laughs> the characters don't know, but you know and I know. And yes. you get it or you either get it or you don't. And yeah, I I love that too. I, I love retellings for that as well. And, and even like, if it's a, just taking an, an element. Yeah. Um, I love cruel beauty mashes up two of my favorite things, mm. um, <laughs> which is, so we have faces of like Eros and Psyche and uh, beauty of the beast. And yeah. I, I love that there's little moments that feel like it's it's obvious like to yeah. me. It may not be obvious to others. Like sure. but when I read it, like it has the feel of it all over the it's like fingerprints all over yeah. it. And that's not again, that's what I'm here for. Like, yeah, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I, right. It's not, it's not. And I whether it's a direct homage or just the feel or mm-hmm. elements of something. I I do think that there's there's power in those connections, even subconscious. Yeah. And I, as I was thinking about this, coming up with more kind of less direct stories that kind of don't necessarily nod, but have like passing things that feel like they're very connected to that questing and things. Yeah. I I was thinking about Elizabeth Lim's um or Lim's um Spin the Dawn and mm-hmm. Unravel the Dusk yeah. and just that going off on that quest and having to do an impossible feat. And it, it feels like, you know, obviously Lord of the Rings isn't the first. Very <laughs> Greek mythology, very Herculean, very yes. psyche and her labors. And 
I love those. Like, I love those stories that kind of feel almost like they're steeped in myth and steeped mm. in fairy tale and steeped in kind of something that's older. Yeah. It, because it gives it a different presence. It gives it a different feel. Yeah. Almost like it's more, has like a solidity to it. Like the mm. world feels lived yeah. in in new and, new and unique ways. Well, and quest stories... I mean, just from the, their nature, do something that, that stories need. They give a really clear goal. <laughs> um, and so characters have a very clear motivation. And yes. the readers or consumers of these stories know what success looks like and what yes. failure looks like. And and then we want to see success. And so we're excited to keep going yes. and see what's going to happen. Yes. And the tension of the impossible, like yeah. the tension of no one can do this and it kind of brings in some interest of how will how the heck are they going to overcome that like yeah you want to see how is this mortal going to do the impossible yeah Yeah. and often that then brings in the like okay are there forces then at work beyond Mm -hmm. the ones that we can see which sometimes there are um which is kind of fun, like playing with yeah. that, where things come out of nowhere or things become grander than you imagine them to be. The world ex- explores different kind of nuanced, magic, mystical, yeah. mythological things where you can almost wave your hand and do the <laughs> like, Jedi mind trick, but no one cares because it's beautiful. Yes. And, and and impressive and amazing and kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah. I, I love that about those stories themselves. Yeah. Well, and you definitely get that in Lord of the Rings. You get these like moments that feel orchestrated. Um, yes. And yeah, we're totally here for it. <laughs> yeah. Because they are beautiful. Right. Yeah. right? They are like such the, full circles or such. Yeah. The light of, I think it's the light of an deal um, mm-hmm. that's, like when that yes. happens and yeah. there's the fight between Shalom and you get the light coming out, I'm like, I'm here for it. Like yeah, I knew totally. like it was it was gonna be a thing to save the day, but that's okay. Like I'm yeah. absolutely here for that. And I I do love that how all of a sudden you think that the cards are stacked so high against them that they'll not walk away. And then all of a sudden something happens, something that you might have known was there or you might have known was part of the world, but you didn't know how it would come into play. And then all of a sudden it does and it takes yeah. your breath away. Yeah, totally. <laughs> One uh, more. <laughs> yeah. So lastly, we did, we were talking about tropes and I, I think that we can't ignore how much found family I think yeah the Lord of the Rings has and really not that we can say it's from found family but I think that there's something so great about those differing personalities coming together and working towards the same goal even some of them a little bit not not in not invested in the same way or as serious as the others or and you just have this wonderful clash of personalities and I I'm really like one of my favorite ones is Six of Crows which I totally was (laughs) kind of seeing a connection between those you have interesting then dynamics and you have people who you can smush together in unique and fun ways you know, we talked about in the character episode about Gimli and Legolas, but mm-hmm. I think that there's something about that where you smush people who have 
very differing ways. And I, I think Nina and Mateus is actually one of the 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 greatest examples of that, even though yes, there's yeah. the undercurrent of like sexual tension with them. <laughs> you also have that they're just very, very different and they have a natural dislike for each well, other. And their cultures are so different Absolutely. in that six of crows world. Like yeah. Yes. But it mm. it brings so much interest to their interactions and yeah. and as their connections to each other develop over time you get to see beautiful changes from them going from one extreme to another and yeah. I just love I love the ability to see that in whatever type of relationship whether it's platonic or rom- romantic I'm always like yes see things for me like like start seeing things from someone else's point of view and I just yeah. I'm, I'm here for that all the time here for found family here for like <laughs> conflicting contrasting characters being thrown together in awkward ways (laughs) (laughs) i love it absolutely me too more of that (laughs) (laughs) so if you're writing that let us know (laughs) yes oh well friends we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did we would love for you to leave a review that helps other people find us and we hope that you keep writing and write, write bravely. Like, don't worry about the ways that you might be, that your story might be similar and instead focus on the things that are unique to you and your own experiences and your own flair and flavor and voice. So pull from everything and everywhere and, and spin on it. <laughs> keep reading, keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world.